everyone. Welcome to the Roto Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen TPFL. It is Monday. It's April 25th. It's 2022. We have seven MLB games to talk about here on today's slate. Smaller, kind of in little little good slate. There's some good pitching and stuff. But any anytime we get one of these smaller slates with some potential chalk, you know who we have to bring on. We got Jordan Cooper, Blunderhead. What's happening, my friend? Long time no see. I was the la- I was on the morning grind what a week or so ago with Grant, uh, but I haven't it, we haven't we haven't been on a show together since what last baseball season. It's been a while. Um, I mean, you got you got your thing that you're doing in the mornings, um, and yeah, man, it has been a while. Like I remember, like what was it? It's probably what, three three years ago now. Like you know, hey, do you want to come on the morning grind? <laughs> so um, a lot has happened since then. Speechless. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, a lot. Of, not bad stuff. Good stuff has happened, right? Um, you work a lot more now. That's all. Right. Well, yeah. No. Back back in the back in the day, I would I was just trying to get on anything. Right. It's like oh, like uh, morning grind. Sure, I'll do it. Grinders live. Sure, I'll do it. Like last minute, five minutes to go. Oh, someone has internet problems. I'm on it. Let's go. I'm on and everything <laughs> like that. Now now sometimes uh, doing doing a show every nearly. Every day at eleven o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I sometimes I wake up at like ten o'clock and I go, like uh, I don't really feel like doing a show this morning. And then wake myself up and it's like, okay, but once I'm once I'm uh, once I'm good morning, I'm I'm good, I'm good. Once I once I get that out, I'm fine. Oh yeah, I mean, five days a week for me doing these shows for over seven years now. So I feel you. There's some times where I'm like. Oh, I gotta, I gotta do a podcast tonight. So. Yeah, but you're see the difference is is that you're recording. Me, I that gotta do true. a live. So like, like you could move the times around. Be like, okay, I'll record this earlier. I'll record it later, early in the morning. Me, it's like, nope. There are already people in the YouTube chat fifteen minutes prior, and they're waiting for me. That's right. Um, I mean, I do my NASCAR shows live, and everyone knows that I'm always late for those. So there you go. But. We got uh, we got seven games. The FanDuel slate is five games. They did not include the San Francisco game and the Colorado game, but we're going to talk about all seven because that's what the DraftKings main slate is. So let's get started here. San Francisco at Milwaukee. We got Corbin Burns going up against Sam Long. No total in this game. I think it just came out um, about two hours, three hours ago that Sam Long was going to pitch in this game. So Making sure we'll have to make sure that Corbin Burns is going to go, but uh, let's start here with Sam Long, um, lefty going up against Milwaukee. Any ish, any interest in him here? Uh, I, I don't have the prices in front of me, but I'm going to assume that he's cheap, but probably still he's not worth 4K. playing. Uh, how many how many pitches? I think. Okay, so I was looking at it before we got rolling. He threw out of the bullpen three days ago, and he threw 31 pitches. So I would assume. I would max him out at 50. Well, the ceiling, I know he's 4K, but the ceiling isn't there. Uh, it's 50 from the weather report I'm looking at. Yeah, it's going to be colder, 46 degrees, but 15 mile an hour winds blowing out to outfield. Uh, the Brewers lineup is pretty good. They have power. And on a seven game slate, I'm not playing a guy that has like the mat. He probably doesn't even qualify for the win. So, like, why, why am I bothered? There are cheap hitters on the slate to play. Uh, I, I, I would have zero of them. And it could be one of those situations where we see him just throw two innings again and open. It could be an opening situation again. So, we've seen him do that, I think, twice already this season. So, yeah, I'm out. I have no interest in Sam Long. Um, on the other side of this game, Corbin Burns, probably the best pitcher him and Scherzer both on the slate. Scherzer a little bit cheaper, but I mean Corbin Burns tend to going up against the Giants. This dude is one of the best, if not the best, strikeout pitcher in baseball right now. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's uh, by by talent wise top pitcher on the slate. Uh, I mean, I like Scherzer at ninety three hundred, Bieber at ninety six hundred. I mean, he has some velocity issues, so I don't I don't know. You know, are people going to play Bieber? I mean, it, to me. You're, you're most likely, the most likely lineups that you're playing is you're playing two of those guys, but we're going to talk about a cheap pitcher that's available uh, that may be po- the, the popular punt option. Uh, in Burns, I trust. I mean, like, out of all, like, 
other than a fully healthy Jacob DeGrom, Corbin Burns for for fantasy scoring. Yeah, sometimes he'll give up a home run or two. But I mean, I could just I could pencil in six plus strikeouts almost every appearance and get 20 points. Like, don't overthink it and just give it to me. Yeah, I mean, offense is still kind of down to start the season, and I don't know if it's spring training. It's still way too early to kind of tell. So, like I've been talking about pretty much for the last couple weeks is I want to pay up for pitching. Um, I want to lock in those pitching points, and there are two cheap pitchers that I like, so I'm interested to see who you like today. Um, We'll get there. Let's talk bats in this one. Uh, Anything jumping off the page to you here for San Francisco? I mean, as a stat, I, I Corbin Burns stacking against Corbin Burns to me is why every yeah every once a season maybe you get a five man stack. The most uh, likely scenario if, if Burns does get hit, it'll be by one or two guys. So I could see peppering a lefty one off. I think Brandon Belt is way too expensive at fifty four hundred, but you got Jock Peterson right. He had two home runs, two hundred this past day. Like if he's in thirty six hundred, I could do so for that. Uh, Brandon, I mean, like Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt are just like I'm not, I'm not paying five K plus for a batter against Corbin Burns. So really, like Luis Gonzalez at twenty eight hundred, to me, there's not, there's not, there's not much here. Darren Ruff is three K as a righty. Like I'm probably not going to have, I may not even have any of these guys as one offs, but there's no way that I stack against Burns. I think Jock Peterson would be the one off, the power, the cheap price tag. Um, hitting the ball really well to start the season. Multi-hits in three of his last four. So um, the Milwaukee side of things here, you know, ton of interest, ton of interest in Renfro. Um, he's a guy that can hit lefties and righties for power. So if Long is just kind of one of these guys that's going to throw a couple innings, I don't care who the bullpen relief is because Renfro has power. Uh, McCutcheon, he is someone that is interesting just because he's been hitting that leadoff spot. And we get two outfielders here that are super cheap. Um, yeah, I mean, Adamus against the lefty, he's a guy that's, you know, at shortstop 4,500. I, I think, I think I could definitely see myself three man stacking Milwaukee. I don't know if I fully stack them here, but they're definitely a team that's on my radar for the slate. Right. We have no total yet, but I'm going to assume this total is going to be like maybe 4.8 to five for the Brewers. And in comparison to the rest of the slate, that, that may lead it. I think maybe maybe the Dodgers possibly have a higher run total, but uh, the Phillies have a five-run total currently. But the Brewers will be up there. But in comparison, the Phillies and Dodgers lineups are way more expensive than than the Brewers. So, like, once you st- once you put in McCutcheon at thirty three hundred and Renfro at thirty four hundred, like, do whatever the hell you want. I mean, Adamas shortstop eligible forty five hundred doesn't break the bank. I don't mind playing power lefties, especially with, we're not going to get, if he's pitching two innings, I mean, you're going to get the bullpen. They're going to come There's going to be a righty. There's going to be a lefty. There's going to be, I mean, it'll be whatever. So I don't look at these, le- like it's a lefty lefty matchup. Like that may only exist for two innings. So Colton Wong, Yelich, Tellez, Narvaez catching. Like I, the, to me, the, the Brewers look like a good five man stack. All right, moving on. We have Colorado at Philadelphia. Kyle Freeland against Kyle Gibson. Eight and a half total in this game. Most books, some books have it at nine. Um, Philly's a 190 favorite here. We'll start here with Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland has started all three of his games this season in course, and he just faced this Philly team last time out. He realistically didn't have a terrible start against them last time out. Um, 87 pitches in that game at home. Any interest here in Freeland? I mean, at 5K, I mean, I, I, I mean, contrarian option, but like his, his, his upside is, is typically limited strikeout wise. He'll, he can pitch long for 5K. So like, I, I don't mind that, but uh, there, are, there are cheaper pitching up. Op- there's, there's cheap pitching options on this slate that are probably better to play. So most likely I don't get the Freeland. Yeah, same for me. Uh, this is a team that can go really right-handed heavy now. Um, adding Castellanos is a huge right-handed bat in this lineup. So I'm out on Freeland. We're going to talk about the Philly bats here in just a minute. Um, Kyle Gibson, 6,800. I don't know if this is one of the cheap guys that you were referencing, but 
not in cores this time around. This is a guy that can get some strikeouts. I actually kind of like Kyle Gibson here if I'm going to save some money at pitcher. Uh, I've played uh, MLB DFS long enough to know that Kyle Ch- Gibson chalk is never something you want to play. <laughs> so, so like, true. right? The more the more owned Gibson is, the less likely I want to play him. But you tell me he's five seven percent owned on a seven game slate against the Rockies outside of cores. Does this lineup is there's nothing to write home about. Yeah, it has some power, but it also has a bunch of strikeouts in it. Uh, so taking a shot on Gibson as a cheap option really, to me, comes down to ownership because there's not the Kyle Gibson death train just comes out like he knows when he's 25, 30 percent owned because when that happens, he scores two points. Well, the thing that I like a lot about this spot for for Gibson just in general is a lot of the power in this lineup is right-handed bats. And I was looking at the batted ball uh, data before we got rolling here. They suck against sinkers. And Kyle Gibson is going to throw his sinker close to 50% of the time against right-handed hitters. So pitch profile-wise, Gibson profiles really well here. Ownership-wise, I'm with you. Kyle Gibson is the worst chalk. It's like um patrick corbin chalk they're just they're terrible when they're chalk um you know anybody that's played dfs for more than a year what it really what it really means it's not like it's a it's just they're high variance pitchers so their ranges of outcomes are very wide they could be really good or really bad and typically in high variance situations you want to go against whatever the ownership is if they're low owned i think cheese always has that robbie ray rule right that's the same type of thinking of like here's a guy that could put up 30 plus DraftKings points or be negative so you want to go against what the field is doing and hope that you get the opposite result all right let's talk bats here anything standing out to you for Colorado uh the hitting environment in Philadelphia is is not the best 57 degrees uh there are better hitting environments on the slate we'll get to them later uh I don't want to pay 5000 or 5500 for Bryant and Crone outside of Coors. Uh, my assessment on Colorado is purely going to be based on Gibson's ownership. So, like, I don't mind sprinkling in some three-mans. Maybe, like, as Gibson gets more owned, the more likely I play three-mans. And if he gets really owned, the more likely I play five-man. It's, it's purely, purely game theory leverage, like... It, the more owned Gibson is, the less owned Colorado will be, and the more relative value is worth it when Gibson gets blown up. Uh, but from a price perspective, from a median projection perspective, the Rockies aren't going to rate out very well. If Gibson's chalk, I definitely don't mind stacking Colorado. It, it's just more of a leverage-type play. Um but I don't know if I really necessarily want to like one off a lot of these guys. So if Gibson's chalk and I'm not playing Gibson, or if I am playing Gibson and on another team, I want to get a little hedge life going. Um, I definitely don't mind stacking Colorado here, but the Philadelphia side of this game, you know, you mentioned the hitting environment as far as just the weather is not the best, but Hoskins, Castellanos, two of the top plays on the entire slate. They're expensive. We have a lot of cheap bats that we're going to talk about. Um, one being Alec Bohm on the same team, 3,600. So is someone that could potentially make the, the stack a little bit cheaper. But I love Philadelphia in this spot. Freeland, a guy that struggles with power righties, and there's plenty of power in this right-handed lineup. I, I'm, I'm on a different perspective. I'm, I, I don't think Freeland is as bad as a pitcher people think he is because he plays most of his games in cores. And – uh, with the price, the if the Phillies were cheaper, that would be a different story. But like, if 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 people are going to be building lineups with Gibson, and we'll get to another pitcher a little bit later, uh, they're going to be able to pay up for a Phillies or a Dodgers. And I just think that more people will play Phillies against Freeland with that Colorado bias in a much, you know, worse hitting environment. And at these prices, like the stack five, man, it's going to cost you like 25000 Even with Bowman, it'll cost you like 24000 And if they're going to be double-digit owned as a stack, like I just I just think they're over-owned for their price. If Freeland was that bad of a pitcher, this, this, this run total would be 5.4, 5.6. 
So, yes, I'm with you. Segura, Hoskins, Cassianos, Real Muto, Boom. Like, can, are they good one-off plays? Or just that from the, I just don't I, don't, I don't see Freeland giving up 10 runs or anything like that. I think there are better, better uh, stacks for the ownership on this slate. But like I'm not I'm not poo-pooing. If you told me the Phillies were two percent owned, you still you'll see me jamming them into all my lineups. I just they're not going to be that low, that low owned. They're going to be one of the, the highest owned teams on the slate. I will say this: I I love the idea of getting like Hoskins and Cassianos with Bohm and Camargo. Camargo's twenty nine hundred, and then still getting my two expensive pitchers to make my Philly stacks different. Because I do think a lot of people will stack Philly with Gibson. So just just saying that, like, if you want to play Philly, there's ways to do it and still get pitching. Uh, Camargo, actually, much more power from the right side of the plate than the left side of the plate. So, And him and Bohm should hit, like, 6, 7, 7, 8 type range. And it kind of gives you, like, a little back-to-back in, in your little stack that you're going to get here for the Philly side. And they're cheap, so it helps the overall stack price. Moving on, we got Boston at Toronto. Eovaldi and Berrios. Um, I think everybody from Boston is traveling now. I know that like there was like some some COVID stuff, but I, I feel like everyone got vaccinated or something. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But eight and a half total in this game. The Blue Jays a one thirty five favorite. Um, I mean, this game basically just happened the other day in Boston. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, 8K. Any interest here in Eovaldi? Well, you hear stri- strikeout upside, and he's going to be lo- much less popular in the slate when he's 1,300 less than, than Scherzer, uh, 19, what, uh, 2,200 less than Burns, Bieber. Like, he's going to be the guy that, like, people look at Nathan Eovaldi. They don't put him on the same level as those other three pitchers, and he shouldn't be on the level of those other three pitchers. But – they're they're at, at less than ten percent owned. There's no reason why he can't you know can't strike out eight in six innings or something like that. So for as a contrarian play, I don't mind him at low. I don't mind him at low ownership. But this game in general, I'm a very big fan of this game from a game theory perspective on both sides pitching and both sides hitting. Yeah, I mean Eovaldi is someone that can put up 30 plus fantasy points. Um, so I always have interest in Eovaldi. He really, he got lucky. I, I'm not going to lie. I watched a lot of that game the other day. Um, he got lucky. He got, he got some really timely outs in that game against Toronto the other day, but this could be one of those spots. We just see him come out and he racks up those six, seven, eight strikeouts and, and pitches, you know, six strong innings. And all right, now we're off to the races if any of those guys that are up the top, Bieber, Burns, Scherzer, struggle a little bit. Uh, Berrios, on the other side, 5,500. Pitched great against the Red Sox uh, the other day. This lineup kind of banged up right now. J.D. Martinez, um, we don't know if he'll be back for this game or not. He's dealing with a a groin injury. He's been out for four games. Um, They said they'll reevaluate him on Sunday, so we don't even know if he traveled with the team um, from to Toronto. I mean, I don't think Berrios is crazy here at 5,500, knowing that they gave him 96 pitches last time out. I, I, I think the opposite of crazy. I think, why the hell aren't you playing Berrios at 5,500? To me, it's a pricing mistake. You should be like 7,500, 8,000 or something. He's not a he bad pitcher. 73, yeah, he, like the last time these two teams played, he was 73. Right. Well, that's like if he was 73, I'd be like, okay, he's an option. But at 5,500, why are he's 1,300 cheaper than Gibson? He's 500 more than Freeland. He could probably pitch 100 pitches. The Red Sox lineup is depleted. Uh, Like, yes, he's a high variance pitcher, understand also. He had one really notable bad start, the first start against the Rangers. But I, I, like I said, it's the night before. I, I don't have projections to look at. I don't have Cardi's the bat. I have to figure that Berrios is going to be by far the top point per dollar pitching play on the entire slate. And I almost have to think that he's going to be like 40 plus percent owned. 
You have to overpower Barrios with lefties, and unfortunately, the Red Sox just can't do that. You know, they have Devers, they have Verdugo, but Verdugo, he has like a 60 ISO since the start of last season. It's not like he's going to really crush anybody. Jackie Bradley Jr., Travis Shaw, that, that just adds strikeouts upside to Barrios if those guys are in there because they don't have a ton of power and they strike out a ton. So, I, I mean, Barrios, he's he's two or $3,000 too cheap. And I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, Boston Bats, I, I mean, here's the flip side, right? If Barrios at 5,500 is going to be popular, we know the Red Sox can hang crooked numbers on anybody. Um, this is one of those things, Wonder, where you might have some Barrios teams and you might have some Red Sox stacks. Yep, that's exactly why I love this game, right? Barrios, best point per dollar player, but he's a high variance enough pitcher that the Red Sox aren't expensive. I mean, like Devers is forty five hundred, Verdugo thirty three hundred, Jackie Bradley is in the lineup is twenty one hundred, right? Like, like Story is forty six hundred. He's second base eligible. Bogarts is short. You could fill in all your your infield positions with this stack. Like, if Barrios is forty plus percent owned, that means the Red Sox are going to be like sub five percent owned. And you know me, Leverage City to me, it's the it's the best leverage play on the slate that. You know, probably doesn't work out, right? You're probably more better off having Barrios, but if Barrios gets hit, uh, you're gonna be wiping out like half the lineups in, in your contest. Uh, so why not give it a shot? And on the on the other side, on the the Blue Jays, outside of the first two, the first three batters, Springer, Bichette, and Guerrero, everyone is pretty cheap. Chapman's only thirty nine hundred, and although Eovaldi is not gonna be owned, like from a leverage perspective, there's nothing there. I just don't think people people will look at the slate and go, hmm, Phillies, Dodgers, Brewers, and go, oh, Blue Jays, do I really want to stack against Diavaldi? He's a, he's a good enough pitcher. And I think the ownership on the Blue Jays is going to plummet because of it, because they're just going to go, oh, the, yeah, I'm not playing Eovaldi, but I don't want to stack against him. And uh, you could get the first, you could get Springer, Burchett, and Guerrero into your lineup with Guriel, with Alejandro Kirk. You could make that lineup work even with, paying up for like Scherzer and Burns to some extent, right? There's, there's some cheap guys in there, cheap one-offs. Uh, and if I get them at sub, you know, single digit owned each, like Springer, Bichette and Guerrero, I mean, they could put up 80 points between them. No problem against any pitcher. Yeah. So, I mean, this game is fantastic because I like all aspects like you, um, I could see playing either of the pitchers and I could see stacking either of the teams. So fun, fun game. Um, it'll probably end like two to three with no home runs and no strikeouts and you move on to the next one. <laughs> anyway, we got the Mets at St. Louis taking on the Cardinals. We got Max Scherzer, Miles Mikolas. Seven total in this game. Yeah, seven total. The Mets opened at 130 but it's 145 to 155 on most books here you can still right now get it on draftings at 135 like that number um let's go scherzer first i mean it's max scherzer facing a right-handed heavy offense um he's 9300 he's he's a thousand dollars too cheap yep uh, to me there's nothing more to say about that there you know it's 59 degrees there it's i mean the Cardinals have what? I think the lowest team total on the entire slate. Yep, that's that's true. Uh, why is he under 10K? And why aren't I taking advantage of that? We are going to take advantage of it. Like there's, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I love this spot for Scherzer. You know, obviously we, I talked about Burns already, but I mean, the Cardinals, they're just so right-handed heavy. The, the two potential lefties in this lineup are Carlson and Edmund. Um, if they do put like note bar and Dickerson in there, it just adds the upside for, for Scherzer. So yeah, I love this spot for max and then miles Mikolas on the other side, 7,600. I, I will say this. I don't think he's crazy, but as I say with miles Mikolas, every time he pitches, you have to see who the umpire is. He needs that extra ball on the outside because he's a, he's a control pitcher. Yeah. M- Mikolas is someone that I just never, Unless he's 5K or something, I never roster. He limits hard contact, doesn't give up many home runs, typically doesn't walk many people. Like, he's the, the epitome of, uh, can he give me 14 points? 
And then stacking against him is, is almost a lost cause also because he typically he typically doesn't get Shelby. He has that seven. He had a seven strikeout game two starts ago. That was nuts. But good luck having that again. So like like the, the Mets lineup is much better than it used to be last year and the year before with uh, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, Escobar. I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not stacking the Mets, but I'm probably not playing Michelos either. Yeah, his his highest strikeout total um, last season was seven against the Brewers, and that's the team that he just struck out seven times this year. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny. And like in in 2019, his highest strikeout total was ten, and it was against the Brewers. So <laughs> he he has the Brewers numbers or or, or something. Um, he 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 has TVP team versus pitcher. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe he just profiles really well against that team, but he always seems to strike them out. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's this is not an offense that typically strikes out a lot in general. Um, so I just don't see a ton of upside looking at Miles Mikolas here. But again, I probably don't stack against him, especially if he has a good umpire because he's just someone that doesn't typically get blown up. I could see. I could see using like Alonzo Escobar Lindor as like one-offs here and just trying to attack the power. But the problem with that is, you know, Lindor's 5,400, Alonzo's 5,200, Marte's 5,700, and Escobar's 49. So they're so expensive and the weather's not even great. So probably off the Mets in this spot. Yup. And on the Cardinal side, like, yeah, play a, play a lefty one-off against Scherzer if you want. But uh, stacking against him, that he doesn't give up that many runs. I mean, like it's one of those things. Like, oh, he's going to be the most popular pitcher. Why aren't you taking a stack against him? It's like whenever you stack five guys from a team, essentially you're saying that that team is going to have the most amount of runs on the entire slate, not just like oh, he scored four, four runs off of Scherzer. Well, is four runs enough? Probably not the highest score on the slate. So why am I stacking? So yeah. So if you want to play. Edmund Carlson, Dickerson, Newt Barr, you know, and I mean, Edmund isn't even cheap at 4,400. So it's like, yeah, so some of these lefties, but I'd also understand that if like Corey Dickerson at 2,700 is in and the Mets bring in a lefty, he's coming out of the game. So like, like these lefty, the, the, le- the bottom of the order type of lefties, you may not even get more than two at bats and they're going to be both against Scherzer. So like the card, I don't even know if any of the Cardinals make my life. Yeah, and it's not like there's like a power lefty to really target Max with. So, yeah, I'm probably just out on the hitters in this game in general. Moving on, we got Houston at Texas. Valdez against Dunning. Nine is what this game opened at. It's eight and a half almost everywhere now. And the Astros, a 135 to 140 favorites. Any interest here in Valdez? Uh, Framber Valdez seems like a better pitcher than he really is because he's not. He's not that that good of a pitcher. And if he doesn't keep the ball over the plate, he has the tendency of walking a lot. He's he's more of a ground ball pitcher, but if he can't get the ball over the plate, he could walk five or six guys in a game. And that's that's just a recipe to, for a disaster for me. You know, for you know one one swing of the bat, you could lose like ten points on your score at eighty four hundred, like. Dude, Scherzer's 900 more than him. Like, what? I'll find the... I'll go to my couch and find change in order to get up. I'll, I'll petition DraftKings to give me more money to not have to play Valdez at 8,400 over some of the pitchers that are underpriced. You just punt catcher. You'll be fine. Um, yeah, I, I'm not playing Valdez here. You know, we just watched on Sunday. Um, Irvin just absolutely dominated this this Texas lineup and he's a lefty and he's not like a great lefty but even even Irwin Irvin like he only had four strikeouts in that five inning like start against them and he pitched really well so um I just don't see myself ending up on Valdez if he's five percent owned and you're playing 150 maybe you mix him in a little bit just to be different but probably not for me um and then Dane Dunning on the other side of this game um loved him in his last start against seattle that worked out absolutely terrible um i'm probably not going to play dane dunning today going up against houston you could make a case for i mean at 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 low ownership this astros lineup isn't as i mean with noel tuve kyle tucker i don't know what's going on with him 
Uh, I mean, the bottom of the orders that they may have Nico Goodrum in. I mean, it's other than like Bregman and Alvarez. Like, I'm not scared of anyone. Jeremy Payne is too expensive. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, 4,800, whatever. He's a good hitter. Uh, at 5,200, I don't need much. Dunning won't pitch 100 pitches, but at 5,200, he could 86 pitches. He could get five or six strikeouts. He could get the, he could get the win here. I'm not against it. I'd much rather play Berrios at 5,500, uh, you know, in a vacuum. He's a much better pitcher than Dunning, but I I don't think it's nuts. If, if you gave me a choice to play Gibson at at 6,800 at 22% ownership or Dunning at 4% ownership at 5,200. I'm taking done. I'm not getting on the Kyle Gibson death train. Like I ain't, I ain't right. That's showing snow piercer. What is it about the trains that are, it's apocalyptic wasteland that happened because of Kyle Gibson. Okay. So I don't, I don't want snow piercers, piercer to happen. So the more people that are on snow piercer, the more I'll be on like Dane Dunning or I'll take a shot on him. I experienced that last time. I hope it works out better for you than it did for me. Is there a Dane uh, Dunning death train? I mean, it was, I mean, it was Seattle and the lineup was terrible and he just couldn't throw strikes. It was, it was tough to watch. Anyway, um, the Houston bats here. I know Kyle Tucker's off to a slow start, but he's 4,100. And we know the power that this guy has. Um, assuming the roof in Texas, it's one of those ones that they can retract, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and the, the precipitation, it's possible light rain tomorrow. Yeah, night. so I'm, I'm assuming it'll be closed. But um, Kyle Tucker, I, I think at 4,100. Michael Brantley at 3,500 if you need to save some salary. He's not like this typical huge upside guy, um, but he is someone that can put up like 15 plus. So always someone that I like. And then – I mean, if you're doing that, you're going to have plenty of money uh, to get Bregman and Alvarez in there. It's just the problem with Houston, and I know this is something you talk about a lot, is to fully stack and, and feel good about a Houston stack, you got to play three outfielders. And, you know, there's so many good outfield plays, and you really are going to need that stack to just go absolutely ham uh, for that to kind of work out. Right, yeah. I'm not a big fan of locking up all three outfielder spots, especially as this lake gets larger. Uh what would be interesting, though, on this slate, I don't think the Astros are going to be highly owned. And if people are playing one-offs in the 5K range in outfield, it's most likely going to be someone like Castellanos or someone like Betts. We'll get we'll get to the Dodgers. Uh, it's quite possible Jordan Alvarez at 5,500 just gets completely kind of overlooked. He ends up being like sub-5% owned. I don't know. I don't, I don't know yet. But it just seems like, well, most people aren't stacking the Astros maybe they'll play Kyle Tucker as a one-off because he should project well based on his you know historical data uh but I'm not sure how many people are going to pay for Alvarez so like to me this looks like a spot to pick one play a Kyle Tucker one-off Kyle Alvarez one-off play a Bregman one-off you know something like that rather than than the whole stack at their pricing but uh it really depends on what lineup they come out with I mean Gurriel's there at 3600 it's doable but I, w- I wouldn't rate the – I would put Astros in like the middle of the pack as far as stack-wise on the slate. So it's not a priority, but it's not like, like oh, I can't possibly stack them. It's like somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think – like I'm on an extra survey, and don't be shocked if you see me like mention Houston is like a leverage stack on the slate because I do think that that is very possible. Um, Texas – my problem with Texas, well, I mean, Texas, cheap-wise, I mean, they're really cheap. You could you can stack Texas and it, and it come out to be very cheap. So that's somewhat appealing. It's just, I mean, there's not a love that, not a lot to like, in my opinion. There, You know, there's some power here with Simeon and Garver. Maybe I'm looking at, like, one-offs with them. Garver, 4,300, that's way too much for a catcher, but, you know. How does how does Valdez profile? Uh, I typically don't look at a lot of the, the pitch data as it is, but in the back of my head, I could be wrong. That's why I'm asking you because you have the information up. Is Valdez more of a reverse splits pitcher, or he has like one, one side? He's has a much higher ISO. It's I, I get the feeling that Valdez has some very lot a lopsided type of split somewhere. No, he doesn't. He he has a high walk rate both sides. He gives up a ton of hard contact, but he has like a, a 68, 69% ground ball rate. He's mm-hmm. a big time, he's a big time sinker guy. So 
anytime that like Valdez is pitching, you have to look at numbers against Seager or sinkers. And actually, I'm glad you made me look at it because Mitch Garver crushes sinkers. Like his average distance is 340 feet with a 94.5% exit velocity average. Yeah, Garver. so let's go. Maybe let's go. Like let's pay a pamp and catcher. Why not? Yeah, instead of the cheapo. Uh, I I never mind playing a team. Like one of the things that I, I talk about with the MLB DFS is that I prefer most people like the, the, a little strategy tidbit for 60 seconds. When even though a lot of this is handled with projections, if I'm looking for ceilings, most people think in terms wrongly of stacking pitchers that don't get strikeouts. So they like stacking against the Hendricks, a Granky, a Freeland, uh, like the guys that like, Oh, they're, they're not powerful pitchers, but understand that the less powerful of a pitcher, like they're not going to hit the ball as hard. Like typically pitchers that don't walk guys are not put in the positions to give up a lot of runs in an inning. And when you're stacking a team, you want the team to score 10, 15 runs if possible. So if anything, I prefer to stack against pitchers that walk too many batters or pitchers that strike out a lot, but also give up a ton of hard contact. So it's like they'll get nine strikeouts possibly, but also give up five runs in the process in some games, even though it's scary to stack against the guy that could possibly, you know, get your stack zero. Those are the high variant spots to attack. So like I look at Valdez and while he is a ground ball pitcher, which is like what I don't typically like stacking against when a guy could possibly walk five or six guys in three innings or something like that, if he doesn't have control, I, the stack has to be on my radar because, you know, if he doesn't get the ground balls and he's walking people, well, that's the recipe for giving up eight runs, in three innings. I love guys that struggle with command and control. Like Michael Pineda is one of my favorite people to stack against because there's days where he just throws the ball down the middle too much. And when you're throwing fastballs and stuff down the middle to major league hitters, they'll miss them every once in a while, but they'll miss them all the time. So, all right, we got Cleveland Adelaide taking on the Angels uh, Bieber against Lorenzen. This game has an eight total, really close to a pick em. Uh The Guardians, a little bit of a favorite here. Shane Bieber, 9,600 on the road, going up against the Angels. Um, any interest in Bieber here? I mean, you have to have interest in Bieber. The only thing that concerns me is his velocity's down, right? I mean, that's that's what we've been seeing. I mean, he still he still gets he still gets whiffs, but I mean, in the first three starts, I mean, four Ks, five Ks, seven Ks. Like, is this just a slow start? Is or is he not a pitcher that has 10K plus upside anymore? Uh, I think in terms of game theory and not what I think will happen, I'm not sure how many other people are thinking the same way that I just mentioned and go, why am I playing Bieber at 9,600 when I can play Scherzer at 9,300 or when I can play Corbin Burns at 10,2? So if like Shane Bieber comes in at like 8% owned because people are like, oh, I'm concerned about the velocity and those types of things. Well, maybe he gets it all figured out and strikes out 11 against the Angels. I mean, that can happen. Now, now if Bieber gets owned as if he's that pitcher, the 12th strikeout pitcher, and he's going to be 23% owned or something on the slate, then I just say, screw it. I'll X him out. And most likely, he's not going to burn me. I have another, I have Burns, I have Scherzer, I'm fine type of thing. So to me, it comes down. I don't want to say Bieber don't have got it anymore, but it's quite possible it doesn't make him a horrible. I mean, it still makes him a top tier pitcher, just not uh, a 42 point drafting store type of pitcher for 9,600. Yeah. So his velocity is down about two miles an hour, fastball, slider, everything. So it's just across the board. His velocity dropped towards the end of last season, like his last few starts. Um, so I don't know. Uh, you know, short in spring training, we knew we were going to see this a little bit. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting, so those first two starts, he was around like 36% sliders up against Kansas City and Cincinnati. He threw almost 50% sliders against the White Sox. Um, so maybe he's trying to compensate the the velocity. And he only threw 36% fastballs in that game against the White Sox. So, I mean, I don't love the spot but I don't hate the spot. You know, there are the bottom of this angels lineup is bad. And there's a lot more strikeouts in this lineup 
than, than years passed by a large margin. The, the lineup that they rolled out on Sunday against Ellis had like a 25% K rate against right-handed pitching. So I, I think Bieber, depending on ownership, is, is somewhat interesting on this slate. Um, if he's going to be someone that's going to be looked at and be popular, I'll probably pass. But if he's going to be low-owned, I mean, the ceiling is, is definitely there. Um, Michael Lorenzen on the other side, I mean, he looked great against Miami, but I mean, I could pitch. I really think I could pitch against Miami. Give me a call. Whoever wants me to throw against Miami, um, give me like six years to get back in shape. Um, and then I'll come throw, but I have, I don't really have any interest here in Lorenzen. No, and he also, he's a converted bullet from the bullpen. Most likely doesn't even get, doesn't even go five innings. I mean, Probably his upside is what eighty pitchers or something like that. And it's, I, I mean, Berrios has hundred pitch upside at fifty five hundred. Daining Dunning probably has a higher pitch count. It's like sixty three. I'll, I'll. The only difference is like I'll play Lorenzen at four percent if Gibson's twenty eight percent. And like, like, like that's the only. If like, oh, if I'm forced between the Kyle Gibson death train of chalk, then I'll play Lorenzen. But if that doesn't case, like he, he probably doesn't make my player. All right, let's talk Cleveland bats here. Um, Stephen Kwan, he left Sunday's game early uh, with a hamstring injury. Be shocked if he's in the lineup here for this one. So we'll have to pay attention to that. But this is one of those stacks I think could potentially go low on that actually I think has some upside. So I like Cleveland here. Like Houston, I'm going to be looking at these two teams to make my like chalkier stack builds different. Uh, the problem with Cleveland, depending on how they roll out their lineup, is uh, is they're even worse than Houston. Like everyone is an outfielder. Like yeah, like Straw, Quan, Reyes, Naylor. Uh, like I mean, like like who do you, how you stack? Like are you playing Andres Jimenez? Are you playing? I mean, you could play Rosario at sec, at shortstop. And they're positionally, like if you want to stack, you're going to play Jose Ramirez at third. And he's fifty three hundred. So like I've I've construction issues with the Cleveland stack. But I mean, I'm on, if, if I didn't have construction issues, I would be, are we in with you? But I, I mean, Fran Mill Ray is at 3,700. Like, like he could hit two home runs. I mean, that's, that's no matter righties, lefties, it doesn't matter. Uh, so at that cheaper price, why, why not give it a shot? I don't mind. Even if Bobby Bradley's in the lineup at 2,300, probably only gets two at bats against Lorenzo. He'll probably come out for a lefty, but he has power. I mean, even Naylor at 25. Leonard's less likely to get pitch hit, even though he's a lefty at 2,500. I don't I don't mind struggling these guys in. It's just that stacking is is tough for me when especially if I'm gonna have to fill all three outfield spots. And I'm not sure that the ceiling of Cleveland makes them as the most likely to have the highest amount of runs on the slate. Yeah, I like Owen Miller Miller, um, second base eligible. He's 3,500. He's off to a really strong start got tested positive for COVID was out for a week. Uh, he should be back in the lineup. And with Quan not in there, maybe they move Owen Miller into that like two hole um, and let him hit up towards the top of the order here. So just kind of pay attention to Miller. Um, but yeah, Ramirez Ramirez is someone that I just don't think a lot of people are going to pay up for today. And I think he has the ceiling to be the highest scoring hitter on the slate. Like we saw this guy earlier this year, put up 35, like it's, he can he can put up those big numbers. Um, as far as the Angels go, I mean, you could play Otani and Trout against anybody. Jared Walsh is okay. Like I could see a three man here, but I don't know if I really want to necessarily stack. But if you are playing that like velocity angle on Bieber, maybe you are looking at some of these Angels bats at less than five percent ownership for some of the best hitters in baseball. I agree with you, and that's why, the, to me, the consideration is purely ownership. The lower-owned Bieber gets, the more likely I want to play Bieber and not the Angels. And if people are going to play Bieber as if he's the old Bieber and he's going to be 24% owned and not eight, then it's more likely that I play Otani, Trout, Wall. Maybe not Maybe not a five-man. Maybe not even a three-man. Maybe just as one-offs. So, to me, that's that's the, the guiding philosophy. I that No matter how owned Bieber is, People are probably not going to not going to want to play bats against him, regardless. So you you can expect to get these angels bats at low ownership as it is, but it's worth more to me the more owned Bieber is. So like you could play, I'd rather play 
Otani as a contrarian option against a 24% on Bieber than an 8% on Bieber. He's still fine against an 8% on Bieber. Just that I'd rather when Otani hits that three-run home run that I kill a quarter of the lineups in the contest and not just 10% of the lineups in the contest. All right, here we go. We finished it out with the Dodgers at Arizona taking on the Diamondbacks. Walker Bueller going up against Merrill Kelly. Eight and a half total in this game. The Dodgers, a 190 favorite. There's 175 on some books, but uh, Walker Bueller, 8,800. I, I think the, the best way to kind of term it out here is a rough start to the season so far for Walker Bueller. Uh, as, as Cardi would put it, he's the, uh, the most overrated top pitcher in baseball. Like people that people view him as a top pitcher yet. He's not, he's not a bad pitcher, but I think people view him much. Oh, this is a Walker Bueller's on the mound. No one's going to hit him. It's like, he's, he's not he's good. That. He's not elite. How about that? Right. Right. He's not elite. So like 8,800, like dude, 500 more, I get Scherzer. Like that. I'm sorry. Like you're. You're not, you're not made, not even as a contrarian option. There's enough pitchers on the slate. I'd rather play Ivaldi at 8,000, right? And also talk about why I, I don't want to play when we talk about bats, why I don't want to play him. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I, to me, until shown otherwise, I will consider uh, any time that Walker Bueller is over 8K uh, on a DK slate to be whoever owns him is just like paying the rake a little bit because he shouldn't project as high as people think that he is. I will say this. Um, if for some reason Arizona rolls out that Sunday lineup again, then I might have some interest in Bueller because that lineup they rolled out on Sunday was really bad. Like, I think it had a combined strikeout rate of almost 30%. So um, maybe, maybe if that happens. But I mean, the other side of this game, Merrill Kelly. Decent start to the year. He's had three really solid starts, but they haven't let him pitch too deep into the game, and he's facing the Dodgers. I, I mean, I don't even need to get into much more than that. Uh, facing the Dodgers in the best hitting environment on the entire slate. Dodgers have a five-run total. Uh, if you were to never stack against the Dodgers for the entire season, you'll probably be profitable. So why start now? Yeah, Merrill Kelly, um, somewhat reverse splits. It's still so – I mean, it's it's one season of reverse splits last year. So I don't know if I necessarily want to, like, say he's going to be, like, a reverse splits pitcher or not. Um, so I love the Dodgers' bats here. They're priced up. Don't get me wrong. But I think if you are not stacking Philly, you're stacking Dodgers as, like, the top stack on the slate. Right, and I'll continue to keep on playing Cody Bellinger at 3,200 until people get their bias that he's bad. He's just understand really good. That, he was just hurt all last year. Like, give the right. guy a break. Um, like, he's 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 good. Cody Bellinger's good. Like, he doesn't go from being really good to being bad. He was hurt. Uh, whatever. What else can you say? So yeah. So the to me, the Dodgers are the top stack on the slate. It just comes down to how long they're going to be. But they have so much positional eligibility. Max Muncy's second and third. You get a shortstop, first baseman. You get a catcher. You get. I mean. You don't even have to fill three outfield spots because pretty much it's Betts, Bellinger, and then I guess if you want to play Taylor, Lux is eligible at second anyway. There's a lot of ways to build Dodger stacks, and that's why you know I tend to play more Dodgers on slates than, than the field does because construction-wise, they're just very easy to fit in. Uh, Rios is another one that I hope is kind of in the lineup because he makes the the stack. And it, like you mentioned Muncie. Okay, you can play Rios and Muncie. I'm okay with leaving Justin Turner out. Justin Turner... Good real-life hitter, not the best DFS hitter. Um, so he's hitting two home runs today. But um, definitely don't mind leaving out, like, Justin Turner and getting Rios in there. Because um, at the end of the day, I still want to get my pitching in there. So um, playing a guy like Rios is going to make the overall stack a little bit cheaper. You add in Bellinger. You get those three big bats with it. Um, you know, Freeman, Muncy, Betts, Turner. You pick three of those guys. So uh, the Arizona bats on the other side – I mean, they're somewhat cheap outside of Kettle Marte. Is this going to be your um, garbage stack of the day? They're called vomit stacks. We've been a while. It's a vomit stack. It, yeah, it's been a year. Uh, you it's know, been, it's been a, a while, right? Oh, you <laughs> garbage stacks, vomit stacks, whatever. Uh, yeah, you could you could stack even with Marte. The stack price is what? What seven? Ten? I mean, sixteen k or less. Uh, if you're going to pay up for Burns and Scherzer, 
Uh, you just stack five of these guys. You play three expensive one-offs. And if Arizona gets to Bueller, which people won't want to play the Diamondbacks again, they went, they may not roster Bueller, but it'd be like, well, I don't want to stack against him. It's very similar to that Eovaldi thing of like, oh, they won't play the Blue Jays. It's just the Blue Jays are more expensive with those three big hitters that uh, the positionally it works out, right? I mean, you could get a second baseman, first base. Yeah, they have two first basemen. Yeah, me. it's going to be hard for five. You get a catcher in there. And because eh, I'm not a big fan of the bottom of their order. Uh, so depending on what they roll out, it'll depend on how easy that five man stack. But I mean, they're cheap as hell. So like like the the scoring and the scoring in, in, in baseball has not been high. Right. It could the Diamondbacks putting up six runs could end up being the highest scoring team on the slate. And I don't expect them to be really owned much. And you'll be able to get the two best pitchers. And get the three best one-offs. And I think the only team you're able to do that with is the Diamondbacks. So I, I will I will probably make some of those lineups. And you, you know, you mentioned when we were talking about the Dodgers, good hitting environment just in general here. So all right, let's play the morning grind game. And then has we'll it changed? Has here. the rules changed? Has there it's been so long? Are we still doing the same? I I, I never same. prepare for the morning grind game as it is. Same morning grind game. The sticky notes that I posted on my computer like three years ago are still there. So, um, <laughs> I, have to, I mean, it's a good game. People give me suggestions, and I'm like, that's a great suggestion. And it's like, that question's really close to the question that I already have. So, just leave it. So, anyway, we're going to use DraftKings pricing. Um, someone that's under 8,000 on DraftKings pitcher to get six or more strikeouts. It has to be under or 8,000 or under. It has to be under. It cannot be Nathan uh, Eovaldi. Right. That's well. That's why. That's why I asked for clarification. Six strikeouts or more. Yep. Uh, I mean, the obvious answer is Berrios. So I'll just take the. I mean, it's either him or Dane Dunning, right? I, I or I guess Kyle. Right. No, I just look at Kyle Gibson and go, nope. I'd rather lose the morning grind game than pick Kyle Gibson. All right, well, I'll take Kyle Gibson. I think the two options for me were Barrios and Gibson, so we, we cover both of them. Uh, give me someone over 8,000 on DraftKings to score under 15 fantasy points pitching. Uh, I'll go with uh, Valdez. I, 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 won't, I was thinking about Bueller, but, I mean, the Diamondbacks are a way worse team than the Rangers, so I'll, I'll go with Valdez. I'm going to go Walker Bueller. Uh, I think that I actually think Eovaldi has a better chance to score more than 15 against Toronto than Bueller does against Arizona. So, and I think Eovaldi will get more pitches as well. So I think that kind of helps, but I'm not playing, not playing Bueller today. So it doesn't matter over 4k to go yard. Who do you like to hit a home run today? Over 4k. So it could be just anyone. Yep. An expensive bat. I'll, I'll do I go do I go with the chalk? Uh, do I not go with the uh, no? I'll, I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit contrary. I'm gonna go Jordan Alvarez against Dunning. Oh, you took, oh, you my, took guy. my guy. I thought Got that him. would be contrarian. <laughs> I thought you were gonna me, go with Castellanos or Hoskins. Give me free money, Freddie. Freddie Freeman. He's finally looking like he's comfortable in that uniform. So, um, under 4K to get two hits. Who is a cheap bat that you like to get two hits today? Uh, I'll. Mm, two hits. I'll, I'll go Andrew McCutcheon. I like that. I'm going to go Michael Brantley. You know, they might both be singles, but Michael Brantley, a guy that can get double digits and Dane Dunning, man. Give me a stack to score six or more runs today. Well, I'm not going to go Diamondbacks. That, 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 that's not it. I mean, I could just, it, I'll, I'll just go chalk for the first morning grind appearance with Stevie. Just to, just because I, I can't give him easy options. I'll just – the Dodgers. Come on. I like it. I'm going to go Cleveland Guardians. The more I think about Cleveland, the more that I will definitely have them on at least one of my three teams here. Um, I know you don't do over-unders, that kind of stuff. Or do you do that now? Is that something that you ventured into now? Nope. Uh, I, I – Still no sports betting, so I mean, if if I were if I were to do it, it would be more of a system based, basically like like the, the reason why I don't do like sports betting content is because the way I used to be as part of like a small syndicate, like way back in the, like what seventeen years ago, 
And we just it, it was a, a top down type of approach. So basically just exploiting move, movement of lines. So tracking how books move lines and action here, whatever. And then just trying to capture arbitrage in the middle. So like my sports betting expertise comes from just like like that. So it's like there's no like numbers like that. I, I don't have to know any of the players to even win money betting sports. And obviously, you know, it's not it's not legal here in Kentucky yet. And offshore books are a pain in the ass uh, now. And it's just not worth the time for me. But that 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 is the reasoning behind, behind why I don't give out like betting picks, because it's like if anything, what I would do, what I would suggest is uh, you get Cardi's bat projections. They have statistical projections and you just look at the bat projections and you compare them to, you know, props or over unders or anything. And when you see the best line, that's better than what that, that you know, lower or under or anything that the Cardi's projections have. You bet it. And the difference between the two is how much you should bet, you know, in relation to Kelly or something like that. So to me, that would be my best. Like instead of me coming on here, oh, I like the Rockies over like it's like I'll like whatever the bat says. And just if the line's better than it, bet on it. No, I like that. Um, Florida is not legal as well, but um I use prize picks. Almost everything that I like will recommend is on prize picks. So I'm going to give out on Friday. We gave a two for two pitching prop um, over there on prize picks. And it was, it went two for two, got a nice little power play. Um, I'm going to take advantage of this because I think it's going to move. I'm taking Freddie Freeman, Nick Cassianos and Reese Hoskins all over six and a half fantasy points. Um The hitters project, the hitters points on prize picks is very close to DraftKings. So over six and a half DraftKings points for Freeman, Castellanos, and Reese Hoskins. I'm going to do that over there as a power play. And that's how we're going to get this week started off. Blender, always fun, man. It's always good to hear your different um, way of thinking. So um, you say different almost as a semi insult or a compliment or something. It's like, you know, of course I know, but that listeners, they, they haven't heard me in a long time. And it's like, what's this guy talking about? So does, do you like Bieber? Or do you not like Bieber? It's like, well, I like him at 8%. I don't like him at 24%. Or is, is he going to do well? And then people start throwing their phones and stuff. So like, <laughs> like, that's what you mean by different. It's like, oh, the guy comes on for an hour and tells you that he doesn't like anyone. Right. It's like, I don't like any, I don't know these guys personally. It's like, how does this guy win at DFS? It's because like, I, I wait for other people to make the mistakes. That's right. DFS pregame show every morning, Monday through Friday, um, 11 o'clock Eastern over there on Roto-Grinders YouTube. He has the chat open. You can chat with him um, if you are. It, it's premium now, right? The Blenders Game Theory channel on Discord is part of premium. Yep. I mean, obviously on YouTube for the morning show, that's a free show that Yep. You could chat in the YouTube chat. I answer anyone's questions. I mean, it's a very interactive show. We review slates. We, we go through tools on Roto Grinders. I talk about multiple, not just baseball. Sometimes on Fridays we talk about MMA for the card coming up. It's a it's a smorgasbord of uh, of DFS strategy uh, rather than like picks or anything. But uh, the the premium channel, which is only available for RG Premium members, is the Game Theory channel in our Discord. And that's like off hours. If you want to ask anything about process or anything, that, that, that is kind of like my inbox. So if you want personalized uh, help, just post a question. I monitor the channel all the time. You don't even have to mention me and I will reply to everything. And the biggest perk, which we did today, I do about, about once a week, not exactly once per week, is I do group coaching calls. A lot of people ask me about private. Oh, dude, privately coach. And it's like, I kind of give everything. I mean, just watch the shows that I do. I don't say anything differently, but some people want a little bit more individual handholding and have one-on-one conversations. And so I do for that channel for only for Roto-Grinders premium members, we do like one to two hour, like private coaching calls. It's, it's a, it's like a group environment, but it's one-on-one. So like, if you have something to talk about, I'll bring you on. There's got like 20 other people are watching. And then the next person until, you know, two hours go by, we share our screens. People show their rotor trackers. We don't record any of it. So you're more welcome to be as open as you want. And uh, and typically a lot of people, there are a lot of people in the industry with, that would charge uh, $500 an hour for that type of stuff. And now it is a value add 
as being a Roto Grinders premium member. There you go. Uh, and then Monday, you got James McCool, very sharp. Um, James McCool joining you on Monday. So make sure you check that out. That's going to wrap it up here for Monday. I'll be on Grinders Live today. So if you want my final thoughts on the slate, um, head over to Grinders Live. I think it's me, Dean, and I don't remember. So don't ask me. But we'll be back tomorrow talking more baseball. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you then.